the memories. The clock is down to 48 seconds. 20 to 10, Colorado leads Nebraska. They have waited a long time for this. So many times, the red flood has come into Folsom Field, and they have gone back across the border to the north, the winner. It won't be this time. The Stories. Prukop to the corner for Carrington, intercepted! Colorado got it! Witherspoon! With the biggest play in Colorado football for years! And now, as a supplement to over 40 years worth of CU football coverage in the CU at the Game archives, here is Stewart with his CU at the Game podcast. Greetings, Buff fans from CU at the Game. This is Stuart White here, publisher and editor for the CU at the Game website, and your host for the CU at the Game podcast. Welcome back to our NIL interview series. In this episode, we are introduced to sophomore place kicker Cole Becker. Becker, from California, was one of the top-rated kickers from the recruiting class of 2021 and originally was an Iowa State commit before joining CU's recruiting class just before signing day. Earning a starting position as a true freshman last fall, Becker missed his first three field goal attempts and was almost benched in favor of Evan Price before rallying to connect on 14 of 17 kicks the remainder of the year. Along the way, Becker was good on three kicks of over 50 yards, the most 50-yarders in a season since the great Mason Crosby turned the trick back in 2005. Becker also became just the third freshman kicker in CU history to lead the team in scoring. So, what did it feel like to be recruited as one of the top kickers in the nation? And what went into his decision to turn down Iowa State in favor of Colorado? What was the pressure like trotting onto the field in Tempe to kick a 51-yard field goal against Arizona State just before halftime, knowing his job as a starter may have been on the line? What was it like kicking the school freshman record, a 56-yarder, against Utah? And why does Becker believe that there was more pressure on his extra point in the first overtime against Oregon State than there was in the 43-yard game winner in the second overtime? Let's find out. Okay, and we're back, and we're talking with sophomore place kicker for the University of Colorado, Cole Becker. Welcome to the, the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you. Uh, we were just talking a little bit before. You're you're back home for a couple of weeks back in California, enjoying the family a little bit before you uh, head back to Boulder for your sophomore year. Um, I'm loving it. So much rest time out here. Just kind of come back, recharge the batteries, and then get back at it. Okay. So you are from the Sacramento area, is that right? That uh... Yeah, just about like probably like 30 minutes outside Sacramento. You were listed, or at least when you were in high school as a recruit, you were 6'3", 215. Does that sound about right? Uh, I was 6'3", 215, yeah. Okay. Because um, I'm 6'4", about 215. Okay. I'm just thinking that most kickers don't kind of hit that frame. Uh, what led you to be a, a place kicker? What uh, led you to that part of the, the team? Yeah, I've, uh, I've gotten that my entire life, like – 
I played every sport imaginable except football growing up. Um, was big into basketball, big into soccer. Played the most football I really experienced before, like high school, was like flag football. I played a couple of years of that. But football had never really piqued my interest. I was more of like the soccer, basketball, like those kind of sports. And then in high school, I ended up having to choose between um, basketball and soccer because the seasons got moved into the same season and ended up choosing basketball. And then that freed up my fall. So chose to pick up football. Um, so my freshman year of high school was my first year. Um, played pretty much every position because I was like pretty tall, pretty big still as a freshman. So coming in and saying you just wanted to kick wasn't really an option. So they, they put me at like left guard and tight end and <laughs> at all these different positions. Right. I never really succeeded at any of them besides kicking. And it was kind of just like a trial year, try it out, see if I liked it. And I really remember one of the games I had a game winner, kind of similar to the Oregon State one with a lot less people there, though. But I just remember like that feeling kind of like bringing me back to football. And that was really like the first moment that I fell in love with the sport. And then like just like my journey into kicking, I have a family friend. His name's Mike Black, and he was a former Boise State kicker. He kicked in the Arena Football League for a while. But he just took me and one of my good buddies out who ended up kicking at my rival high school when we were like, I don't even know, probably like eight. It was just like it was like really early. It's just for fun. He took us out to this grass field and we kicked. I just remembered that, but I never ended up taking it anywhere. And then slowly as I went through and got into high school and I had to choose sports and I had free fall and stuff like that, ended up just kind of aligning with football. And I remembered like what he instilled in me with kicking. So I just said, I'd give it a shot. And he kind of trained me. And then I had a trainer named Paul Assad out of Modesto, who I would meet with like about once a week. And those two guys really just kind of got me into the kicking world. Okay. So normally there'd be a lot of, you know, camps and things like that that you go to, but you were kind of hitting right in the COVID time. Did you ever get to go to any of those types of, you know, kicking camps and things like that? So schools and other, you know, people could get to take a look at uh, what you had to offer and how you were progressing? Yeah. So I played my freshman season and then my sophomore season, I had to sit out with a hip injury. Um, and then ramping up into my junior season before we played, I went to my local college, Sac State. They put on a camp, um, and I went to the specialist camp. And I'll be honest, it, it did not go very well because at that point I was like coming off the injury and I hadn't had much experience kicking under pressure and all this stuff. So going to that camp and being surrounded by like seniors or transfers or like all these older guys who are hitting like big balls and like. I was hitting like 30 yarders and shanking like every so often. <laughs> it was, it was a fun experience and it was definitely important for me to learn like where I needed to go. But that was the only camp that I went to and it was for like, like school camp. And that was like, right. Not a success. Okay. Well, through whatever, you know, whatever help you had along the way, you turned into a, you know, all state, all district, all kind of, you know, all everything kind of kicker your junior year. If I could make a lot of points about you being 45 out of 46 between your field goals and your extra points, which of course begs the question, what kick did you miss in your junior year? If you made 40, I know 31 of them were extra points, but that's still 14 out of 15 on field goal attempts. Mm -hmm. What field goal did you miss? 
the very first one. <laughs> first game of the season, I still remember it. Going, uh, was that home? I remember it was like, I think it was like probably 38 yards, 40 yards, something like that. I just remember I just shanked it, like didn't even get it there. And I was like, wow, that was a terrible kick. And then ended up going like 14 straight after that. But yeah, that was <laughs> missed the first one. So that was a little nerving. But. Yeah. Okay. Well, you were getting rave reviews, you know, in terms of rankings and things like that. I mean, rivals in 24 seven sports don't really normally pay a lot of attention to kickers. It's usually kind of a two-star thing and it is what it is. And they let the, you know, the Chris sailors of the world and the, the cold kicking of the world kind of do all the rankings. And you were number one in the country under Coles and Chris Saylor had the number four, you, you actually got three stars out of 24 seven sports and out of ESPN and stuff, which I think it's kind of rare. I don't know that yeah. it seems like most kickers punters. If you see them in the recruiting class rankings, it's always the, the two star. It's like, yeah, we'll give you two stars and just kind of add you to the class. So what was it like being one of the premier kicking recruits out of the class of 2021? That was, it was pretty, it was a pretty unique experience, especially because after I like really committed myself to kicking, I kind of went back and studied past years and what like the top guys did and how they performed and all this stuff. And like, like going back and looking at that stuff, I felt like my class had like a pretty star studded lineup for kickers. Like we had Cam Lill, Josh Bryan, like all these dudes that were like seemingly D1 power five level guys. Um, so it was really awesome to be able to compete against them, win a couple competitions, lose a couple, but just like kind of have that competitive spirit with them. Cause as a kicker, you don't, you kind of like, it's mostly a competition with yourself because it's either you make it, you miss it. It's not like, Oh, I missed the tackle or like anything like that where it's against the team. It's like, it's against you. So to go to camps through um, coach Taylor, coach Cole, and kind of have that competition, I think, was, like, really awesome. Yeah. So is there a camaraderie there, or is it a competitive oh. thing? Where, I mean, you guys – because you are kind of a unique class unto yourselves, so you get uh, some bonding there, or is it uh, kind of cutthroat? It's a little bit of both, because at the end of the day, I mean, you are fighting for all the same spots, and as a specialist, there's not many, but – um, I never had any like big issues with any guys. Everybody was friendly. Everybody was friends. Like you, like you are competing, but it's it's not like a hostile environment. I would say it's just friendly competition. Okay, so you got offers from around the country. You committed to Iowa State. I think I read that you actually got a chance to go to a Iowa State game, and it was a big game. I get the upset Oklahoma which would have been pretty exciting to be in Ames for that. Um, and then you committed to Iowa State. So what was uh, what was it about Iowa State that was uh, attractive to you? Was that your first offer in a Power Five? and Or you just liked the coaching staff? Or what was it about Iowa State that uh, led you to commit to them? Yeah, um, Iowa State was awesome. Before Iowa State, I had Rice, which was a good opportunity like school-wise, but not really the level of football I was looking for. And then I got Iowa State and I committed because it was like such an awesome school. They were like they had finished like fifth and top five or something like that. And they were projected like super well next year. And I took that visit and like you talk about that Oklahoma game, man, what a what a game to bring a recruit to. Like, <laughs> yeah, 
go and sit and watch them beat a huge rival in a game they shouldn't have won. It was it was super cool. So I I thought the school was really awesome, and I met like all the people there. Coach Campbell, um, Coach Hoosier, everybody who recruited me was like really awesome. My they built connections with me and my family. Um, so originally it felt like the place for me. And then as I committed and kind of let it sit, I kind of realized that Iowa was not really built for me. Um, and not really somewhere that I could have seen myself in the future, kind of creating a network and settling down. Um, and so it wasn't necessarily that I was going to look for other options, but I was open in my mind if they came around. Um, and then Josh Bryan decommitted and committed to Notre Dame and that Colorado option was open, which I'd always thought was a really good option for me. I got contacted and coach said he was recruiting me and another guy and it'd be up to just that and heard back a couple of days and ended up committing a couple of days before signing day. Cause overall through the whole process, Colorado just felt like a better home, but Iowa state was definitely an awesome option to have. Okay. So was Colorado in, in the mix that Colorado offered you before you committed to Iowa state or is that a new thing after all? It wasn't along until like you mentioned, one of your competitors, you know, for, for the job, you know, committed to Colorado and then flipped and, decided to decommit and went to Notre Dame. Where did the Colorado offer come in the timeline? Yeah, the Colorado offer came like a couple days before that signing day. I pretty much committed like the next day on the spot. Um, and they hadn't really expressed too much interest in me before I committed to Iowa State. I had talked with Coach Reiner a little bit here and there, but not much. So okay. I was, hadn't really viewed that as an option. But yeah, Josh Bryan committed and decommitted. So I don't know if it was Coach Reiner or Colorado in general, but they kind of tended to use Coach Saylor's list more than Coach Cole. Um, and Josh Bryan was number one on Saylor's, and rightfully so. He was a great kicker. Um, so, yeah. yeah. He didn't get to play last year, but, you know. So, but, no, because, yeah, Notre Dame had a <laughs> so, so you got something going there. But, yeah, you. I think you are number four on Saylor's list and number one on Cole's list. And so if I read it right, I think you said that you actually – did get to visit Boulder, but you didn't. It was during a recruiting dead period, so you actually didn't get to interact with the coaches. But at least you got to see Boulder a little bit before you committed. Yeah, so I was. I went up there twice. I was there once in the snow and once in the spring. I think the spring. One of them was after I committed. One of them was before. Um, but it was kind of like a last minute, like throw the trip together and go see it because. That was when I was committed to Iowa State, but I had this interest coming in from Coach Reiner. So we were like, we got to go see the school in case we get the offer, make sure that we make the best decision and whatnot. So we just, we hopped up there really quick, checked it out. I will say that that, that campus blew Iowa State out of the water for me. I mean, just, <laughs> like Iowa State is awesome and like nothing against Iowa State, but like right. I went in like the dead winter of Colorado. So there was like, it was a winter wonderland on campus and frozen lakes and snow everywhere. It was just really awesome. Yeah. Well, I was, well, you're way too young to even remember see you in the, you know, the big 12, much less the big eight. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we always said that, you know, coach McCartney used to say that if I can get him to Boulder, I can get him to commit. And we were always like, well, how come see you can't, Get bet, you know, if you're talking about Ames, Iowa, Manhattan, Kansas, and Stillwater, Oklahoma, you look at the Boulder campus, it's like, well, we should be the number one in the country if you're just yeah. on campus, but uh, got to get you to campus so you can commit. 
so you committed, but you didn't show up until June. You didn't enroll until early summer. So you did get to play a little bit of a senior year. Um, or yeah, we still- had six games, I think, my senior year. Okay, so you still got to play. I I was talking with Nico Reed, and he was in the same situation that he had the opportunity, but it's like, well, I could get injured really easily here. Maybe not the same sort of a scenario for you that you weren't as concerned about, you know, maybe getting injured and losing, you know, the ability to to play. So yeah, that, um, that thought never really crossed my mind because it like yeah. the whole COVID situation was more about like how can we get on the field and like how can we play? How do we make this happen? Right. So like the, the injury part of it never crossed my mind. It was like, how do I get one more season with these guys that I've like grown up playing with? Right. Okay, so shortly after you turned 18 years old, about to turn 19, happy birthday, (laughs) as we're speaking here today. So almost the big 19. So what was it like being an 18-year-old, not only going away from home, but uh, competing for a starting job at a Power 5 school? Definitely interesting. I hadn't really, like, been away from my family too much until school so like that separation was kind of hard at first um just kind of getting that rhythm like being on my own doing things for myself uh, but once I fell into it it was it was pretty good um I would say definitely miss my family and it was nice like breaks like this in winter and we'll get discretionary in July and stuff like that just to have like these little breaks to come back and see them is definitely good and refreshing but I would say that the transition overall has gone pretty well and it's been I would say mostly what I've expected it to be. Um, no huge surprises there. So Okay. So you get into summer conditioning, you get into fall camp. So you had an incumbent at the kicking position, you know, with Evan Price. But first of all, I mean, one of the, you know, it's one thing to be competing. It's also that he was a walk-on. You were a scholarship kicker. Was there any... Anything weird or strange about the fact that uh, he'd been there for several years and was still at walk-on status while you were coming in with a with a scholarship? Uh, I feel like there there always is that tension between the scholarship guys, walk-on guys, because it's a different element to kind of experience football in, and especially because Evan had been so strong for the program, he'd come in and clutch moments when he needed them. But I think overall, I mean, there was nothing really like too bad between me and Evan. Like it was always supportive. Like obviously we both wanted the job, so we weren't going to like actively root for the other one, but there was never bad blood. We weren't rooting directly against each other. It was just, we both had kind of like mutually agreed, not like verbally, but just like the better guy, the better guy is going to win at the end of the day. So. Okay. So when did you find out that you were going to be the starter as a true freshman? Um, I'm trying I'm trying to remember if there was an exact day because as like fall camp and summer and all that progressed, they put up depth charts. And mm-hmm. so you kind of see where you are in the order. And I know I started when I came in below Evan and then we did the summer and the PRP stuff. And then we went into fall camp and I can't remember exactly when, but I think our names were like next to each other. And then I was on top and then I was taking the ones. It was kind of like gradual, but yeah. Okay. Carl Durrell called you the Iceman. Was that a nickname that he came up with, or was that something that you had from from high school? Where did the Iceman come from? 
No, I, I never had heard of Iceman. I think that was just uh, off the top in an interview. Okay. That was pretty funny. Okay. So you get to uh, start as a freshman, and just like your uh, junior year, where you start off with a miss, you start off with a couple of misses to start your, your freshman year. We, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, it's a, your first kick was a 53 yarder. So that's an awful lot to ask of somebody in their very first game, very first kick. But how was that uh, getting to play, um, getting out there for, you know, in front of the crowd at Folsom Field and things like that? Yeah. I mean, like, I remember in leading up to me coming to school, I would like go out and I would practice and went on my high school field and I would try and like recreate situations in my head to try and get myself ready for the pressure. But like, I feel like nothing can prepare you walking out in front of like 60,000 people in a season opener, trying to hit a 53 yarder off the right half <laughs> first kick ever. It was like so much had been piled on. I was like, I'm not ready for this. Um, and it was definitely disappointing to start the season off that way, but I think it's good to get that stuff out of the way early so that I can fix it and move on and yeah. really do later. And you also had another miss and then, you know, first road game, you, you know, playing Arizona state and you get a kick blocked, mm-hmm. but then you come around, they ask you to kick a 51 yarder right before halftime. And that's your first su- successful kick. So what was it like playing in Tempe, having a kick blocked and then making a 51 yarder in your next attempt? Yeah. A lot of people have asked me that. I'll give you a little insider information. I was actually like sort of benched mid game because I had gotten that kick blocked, which was my fault because I was slow on my operation time. I was running about a one, four, one, I think. And I was supposed to be at like a one, two, eight. Okay. Um, we're talking like tens of a second here, but right, it's a yeah. they're running. But they ended up saying like, hey, Evan's off time is faster. I think we're going to put him in right now. It's the better move for the team. I was like, okay. And then they got to the long one, which was sort of out of Evan's range. So they just threw me out there and that ended up being the one that I made. (laughs) So not only kicking plus 50 yards on the road, under pressure, not having made one, maybe have your job on the line and you come through with a, a a 51 yarder. So What's the mentality? I mean, just in general, kickers, punters have kind of the weird reputation of, you know, being quirky. Do you have any uh, rituals? Do you have any things that you go through mentally or physically that you're trying to get ready for a 50-yard kick in in front of 50,000 fans in Tempe? No, and I've spent a lot of this offseason trying to kind of develop like, cause it's always good to have rhythms, especially when you're in high pressure situations to be able to fall back on something that'll get you into where you need to be. Um, so I've been trying to develop some of those this off season, no rituals come to mind. I've kind of just avoided talking to people because I don't need anybody getting in my head. I just need to like cut the crowd noise, cut the sideline and just like focus on, on my thoughts and how I'm going to make the field goal. Okay. Uh, we always see sideline shots on television, kicking into the net and things like that. Is that just, uh, you know, release of nerves or is that something actually that uh, you practice on just to make sure everything's working, you know, with the body or is just something to do while you're uh, waiting for your opportunity to get on the field? It's a lot of everything. I mean, it's definitely like a nerve, like to get rid of the nerves, you hit a ball and like, it's kind of like punching a wall. You like just kind of got to get it out of you. 
but it's it's also like it's kind of in golf like a practice swing you like you take the practice swing and if you you chunk the practice swing you take another one and then you hit it pure so you're like okay now i can now i can uh be confident and feel ready to go hit this actual one so it's i would say it's like 95 percent mental and five percent physical so it's like the first like five percent is just like okay am i warmed up am i ready to actually physically do it and then the rest of it is just building the confidence okay so building on that he's you know had a couple of kicks successful kicks against arizona one against you know cal so you know after a streak of not making the first couple of kicks you've been on a streak of making kicks so we get to the oregon state game and you had a, a field goal on the opening drive pretty like a 28 yarder more of a disappointment mm-hmm. for this you know those of us in the stands because Supposed to be a touchdown drive, and you know you get down that far. It's good that you made the kick, but wasn't what uh, you know fans were maybe hoping for. And then there was hitting a PAT and a field goal down. Yeah, exactly. And then your first miss since you know half a dozen games in the second quarter there, and then right before half you kicked another fifty yard, I think fifty two yarder. What's the swing of emotions like? Um, Because I know. Not to uh, lead into what we're going to get to in double overtime, but, you know, just the making it, missing it, and then making a long kick before halftime. What's the this pendulum of emotions that you were going through in the first half of the Oregon State game? Yeah, I mean, again, it felt so much like ASU just without the benching because it was like, if, like whenever you miss, you never like – like make yourself think that you're going to lose your job, but it's always in the back of your mind. Like how many misses does it take to get to the point where Evan is going in? And especially after like misses like that, where it's like, I think it was like a, like 38 yards or something short that just like inexcusable to miss, but I missed it. And I was like frustrated Went on the sideline. I think I remember coach Turley coming over and just kind of like helping me get my mind back in it. Um, And I feel like this off season's kind of helped me develop that, um, level of maturity where like you you understand that mistakes happen and like regardless of what coaches are like yelling on the sideline or like fans are screaming like it doesn't matter because it's just it's all about the next kick there's no there's no sense in worrying about the past because it's always about the future right well the future came pretty quickly yeah so you know over time you make the extra point after the touchdown which in itself is Pretty stressful, although, you know, so you had the ball first, so you don't know what Oregon State's going to do. So it wasn't the game deciding extra point, but it, you know, you certainly don't want to give your team a six point lead when the other balls, the other team's about to get the ball. And then you're on the sidelines, you watch, you know, the Oregon State kicker miss a 38 yarder. Now everybody in the stands thinking, okay, you know, this is simple, simple for us mm-hmm. because all, I, all CU needs is a, is a field goal. And yeah. there's a false start in there. So not only were they just playing for a field goal running up the middle, but they got a five-yard penalty to make it longer. What was it like thinking, you know, are you thinking, well, why don't you guys just try and score a touchdown here so we can just win by six points and I'll go to the locker room rather than just assume that I'm going to make this field goal? Is that even more pressure when you're dealing with that, you know, the overtime stuff and now it's just assumed that you're, going to come in and kick the game winner? I will tell you that the 
PAT on the drive before was much more stressful than the actual game winner to me because on that PAT, we also had a penalty. So PATs have always been kind of automatic for me, not really a big deal. But when we start to like back it up, like you start to the, the percentage, like that 100%, 95, 90. <laughs> and then, but like that one, I was like, I got to make this. So I hit that one. And then the best situation to be in as a kicker for a game winner is to never have the opportunity to lose it. So I was fortunate that he, right, Evan, other team, actually, his name's Evan, he missed, yeah. set up a tie for a game winning field goal. So yeah. it definitely took some of the pressure off of that situation is knowing that I couldn't directly lose the game right there, but obviously it was still high pressure. Yeah. I want to win it. Yeah. Worst case scenario, just have a third overtime and, and go from yeah. there. And of course that same Evan picked a, what was it like a 60 yarder yeah, um, came into overtime to start with. So certainly quality kicker on the other side of the field. So what was it like, you know, lining up, kicking the 43 yarder, winning double overtime, Everybody in the stands, mate, you're a hero. Fans coming onto the field, the players coming onto the field. What's it like being the the hero of the Oregon State game? Yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. I've never had like rec- like super recognition like that. And it's kind of interesting because like right after the kick, I don't really remember much. It's kind of like that like blackout feeling where you're like, what like happened in like the 10 seconds leading up to it? I couldn't remember the five seconds before I kicked it or the five seconds after. So I was like going back and watching video and seeing like what I did. But that was like unreal because I was contrasting it to me as a freshman in high school, kicking a game winner in front of like maybe like 200 people versus like hitting game winner in front of 30, 40,000 people. So, I mean, it was awesome. I was able to have like all my family there. Um, except for my brother, but like my parents were there, family, friends were there, my girlfriend was there, fam, like cousins were like wow. so yeah. many people to share with. So that was really special. Yeah. So what does the the hero of the game? It was night game. What uh, what did you do after you got out of the locker room? Got all the interviews out of the way, all the pats on the back, and you got to be with your family and your girlfriend. And your what uh, what did you do to to celebrate um, after the Oregon State game? I walked out of the locker room and then my girlfriend's family, her family or her mom's best friend in college lives in Arvada, Colorado. Um, And they have like a house and she's family now down there. Um, So I've gotten to know them pretty well and they were at the game. Um, So my parents, my family, friends, them, like we all just kind of went back to their house and kind of just like soaked it in, I guess. I mean, like (laughs) no, no big party or anything, pretty tired, but like, just kind of relaxed and enjoyed the moment. Watched the video four or five or 12 times. Oh, yeah. They were they were running the game clip back quite a few. <laughs> so after the Oregon State game, you continued success. I think like four out of five in the next couple of games with UCLA and Washington. The season finale against Utah, you kicked a field goal right in the first couple of minutes of the game. Again, Happy to have the lead, but disappointed because it was an interception on Utah's first drive and the offense didn't go anywhere. So it was good to get the field goal, but once again, would much rather had a, a point after touchdown. Mm-hmm. And then you, right before halftime, you kick a 56-yarder, which set a freshman record at the University of Colorado. What do you remember about the the fifty six yarder? Did you uh, when did you find out that it was a, a freshman record? 
Um, my dad is very meticulous about like records and especially relating to like me and my brother. So he's always on top of that stuff. So I think I found out pretty early. He might've told me like right after the game. I can't remember. But like the main thing I remember about that kick is just like, you always want to have confidence as a kicker. Cause like the biggest part, like 90% metal, 10% physical, you need to know that you're going to make the kick. But I was find that the long ones are almost like easier mentally for me because less like like much less um people expect you to make them so like you're hitting from 30 yard like a 30 yarder people are like okay this is this should 100% be in so it's kind of a little nerve-wracking but if you're hitting like 56 almost from like their side of the field they're like okay he's just gonna miss this and they'll go into the locker room right um but but hitting that was like because I, I knew I made it from the second I kicked it. I just kind of didn't believe it. So I just like stared at it because I hit it good. And it was drawing to the middle. And I was like, I think that's going in. So I just watched it. And it went in. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And then just <laughs> so for the season, you were 14 to 20 and 14 to 17 after missing the, the first three. So obviously good percentage going forward. Three kicks over – I'm sure your dad knows all this. Three <laughs> kicks over 50 yards, which is the most since 2005 when Mason Crosby um, had was kicking a bunch of 50-yarders. And obviously, he's a CU legend on his way to the NFL Hall of Fame. Once he retires and puts five years behind him, he's going to be an NFL Hall of Famer. So, puts you in pretty good company. Seventh freshman in school history to lead the team in scoring. The third kicker to lead the team in scoring. So uh, your dad's familiar with all those stats. I mean, that's. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. He, uh, I, don't, I hadn't heard the uh, third to lead scoring. Yeah. Yeah. Third kicker to lead the team in scoring. So our third freshman kicker, I guess. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. The kickers tend to lead the team in scoring with only the third time a freshman kicker has done it. So you're in pretty good company there. So now we've gotten past the 21 season as a true freshman, 18 year old, true freshman, you went through your first spring ball this past spring. What was, uh, was it interesting for you? I mean, your first spring camp, what did you learn? What did you do? How did, what's a, what's spring for a, a place kicker? What's a specialist do during spring camp? <laughs> kind of similar to season. Um, they're still, they're like a little bit more limited on our kick counts. Um, because obviously it's more of a developmental period, not like fall camp where it's like nose to the grindstone. You're just like grinding it out, getting your swing exactly where you want it for season. And especially with like the knowledge of like what kind of stress we're going to be putting on our bodies is going to come up in like the summer and fall camp and season. It's definitely good to like kind of limit those reps, but yeah, I would say practice is like pretty much the same. I mean, I don't know if you've ever like watched a practice, but kickers have a pretty good practice life. We just, yeah, we have, like, there's probably 18, like 16 to 18 periods in a practice, and we participate in like four of them, maybe. Uh-huh. Uh, only the only downside is everybody warms up before practice, and then we normally end up kicking at the end of practice. So it's kind of like a warm up, cool down, have to warm back up and then kick, but right definitely good because it prepares us for a game i mean we're out on the field like 90 minutes before the team is before the game even starts so it's good to get that kind of like game feeling of like warming up and then 
like cooling off and sitting on the sideline and then all of a sudden ramping it straight back up. You have to go out and kick a PAT. So it's good. So do you get any reps punting the ball? Is that, you know, emergency punter or are you uh, not involved in that at all? I get some reps on my own, but they will never put me in a drill. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like punting occasionally. I'm not like a division one punter, but it's good to know that I can do it in like the worst case scenario. Cause we have Ashton, we have another kid coming in supposed to back him up. We have Noah Hubbard. So we have like a lot of depth there, but like in like this freak scenario, if we're traveling and we don't have any of those guys and all of a sudden like Ashton gets hurt and it's like, Oh, cool. You're punting. Like, I don't want to like embarrass myself cause I should be able to do it. Right. Um, yeah. Just like, just for fun, just kick it around sometimes. Okay. So once you get the, the role set, the starters and everything like that is, uh, and you say practice, like you say that, you know, I see you know, kickers are kind of doing their own thing. Do you uh, bond with the long snappers? Do you guys do trivia? Do you uh, place bets on who's going to fumble the ball or get an interception? I mean, what's uh, what's the conversation like over there in the corner watching, uh, watching practice? It's just like, uh, Exactly what you would picture us talking about, if that makes sense. Like we definitely, like I, like you said, bond with long snappers. I'm really close with all of those dudes because we spend so much time together, not really doing like everything that the rest of the team is doing. Like they have a team period. We're doing like jugs work for Ashton. So we just stand there and talk around the jugs as we shoot balls to him. But like conversations are just like, they range from like, what did you do yesterday? To like, just like dumb stuff. Like, when when will aliens invade Earth? Like just like stuff. <laughs> is, that, is that where you came up? I mean, there's this one thing on your bio, and I'm not sure if I can even picture this. It says that you can flip a water bottle sitting on top of a football by kicking a field goal. Oh yeah. Why I, I can text you the video of it. I went to a practice field. I can't I think this was pre-COVID. But I went with a friend to like one of my rival high school's fields because mine. Oh, it might have been COVID because my field was closed. But I was just going out there to work out. We were kicking field goals. We were just messing around, hitting right foot, left foot, hitting from like 75 yards, just just like messing around. And he he gave me this water bottle so I could have some water. And I looked at it and it was like the perfect like uh-huh. flip. I just put it on top of the football I kicked it and first try, I was just looking at the bottle and it landed. And then I looked up and I made the field. (laughs) Yeah. You can, yeah. If you can get us that, the video, I'll put it up with your, uh, on the see what the game website with the, the picture, you know, the video of the Oregon state kick and everything like that. So yeah, if you've got it, uh, we'll, we'll take it. So obviously there's, you know, team goals of winning games, making the PAC 12 championship, winning the PAC 12 South, what sort of personal goals do you set for yourself? I mean, yes, you want to be 100% on field goals and point afters, but is there anything that you want specifically to aim for? Or what's uh, what are you trying to improve on? What's a, a, a great scenario for you this fall in 2022? Yeah. Whenever people used to ask me what my goals were, I always used to say be 100%, but it's not a realistic goal and it's not a goal that you can fall back on if you make mistakes. Um, so I started setting more specific goals. Like my spring goal was be 80% or more from the right hash 40 yards and back because that's, I think I missed every single kick from the right hash and I missed like most of them from 40 plus. So 
kind of like figuring out where my misses are and kind of dialing it in those areas was really important to me. But just like overall goals, I definitely want to improve my touchback percentage from last year. Uh-huh. I get more touchbacks and it's always going to be lower than I wanted because there's some situations where you need a sky kick or an onside or a squib or just like things where you can't hit a touchback and miss kicks and stuff like that. Um, but I feel like I've definitely strengthened my leg for kickoff this off season. So looking forward to improving on that. And then in the field goals, obviously just increase the percentage. I, I want to, I'm not, not that I would like to miss from other areas on the field, but I would like to have a better percentage on the right than I do anywhere else from the field. Like I want to be like, I was so bad at the right hash last season that I want to be like almost perfect on the right hash. And like, that's not like disregarding the left hash and missing everything from there in the middle and all that. But like, if I can dial in on the right hash, I know I can do it from the left in the middle. So that'll just all come together. Okay. Well, I guess we'll, we'll leave it at that. Thank you for your time. Stay healthy. Enjoy the family. Enjoy your birthday. You know, 19's a, you know, a big year. And we'll look forward to seeing you at at Folsom this fall. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening. This episode and this series of interviews would not have been possible without your kind contributions to the See You at the Game NIL campaign. So thanks to all of you for supporting your CU student-athletes. We're nearing the end of the series, and I hope you have found the project to be as interesting and enlightening as I have. I hope that you are subscribing to the podcast so that you won't miss any of the upcoming interviews. As you hopefully know by now, the podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcast sites. Or, if you're not a fan of downloading podcasts, all the podcast interviews can be listened to at the See You at the Game website. So, until next time, be well, stay safe, and go Buffs! Thank you for listening to our See You at the Game podcast. For links to articles and stories referenced in this podcast, go to cuatthegame.com. That's the letter C, the letter U at thegame.com. If you have comments or suggestions, you can leave them on the website or send an email to seeyouatthegame at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to subscribe and share it with your fellow Buff fans. Until next time, when we will again see you at the game.